Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. All right, welcome to Connect because we're going to get into something really great as we uh, get our Bibles, we get into our Bibles, we get our Bibles into our, the Word of God into us so we can get it out of us into the world around us. And so today is going to be really exciting. We're walking through the gospel of John and we're looking at the life of Jesus and just seeing how he interacts with people um, and, and who he is and, and really discovering more about who Jesus is. And so now we're to, to John chapter 12, which is all about um the, the last week of Jesus' life. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me that you've got the first 11 chapters or Jesus' ministry, his life and ministry, and then the last half, the last part of John is all focusing in on this most important week in all of history that we call Holy Week. And uh, so you think about what happened on that week on Sunday. It, it, Sunday of Holy Week is known as Palm Sunday, that's when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and the crowd all welcomed him and shouted, Hosanna. That's what we're going to be looking at today. But then on Monday, Jesus drew, you know, cleared the temple. He, he cleared out the temple and overturned the tables. And uh, then on Tuesday, um, Jesus' authority was um, challenged. And, uh, and, and he gave uh, the parables Wednesday. We don't have anything recorded on what happened on Wednesday. Um, and so Jesus was, surely he was in preparation for what was to come. Because on Thursday, that was Passover with the disciples, the, the last supper. And then on Friday, that is the D Good Friday, the day that Jesus was uh, crucified and laid in the tomb. And then... Uh, on Sunday is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, and Jesus is alive. So all of this happens in the in the course of one week, and so today we're we're beginning that. Uh, really, I guess we started uh, last week on the plot to kill Jesus, but but today we're going to see more about who Jesus is. We're looking at these misconceptions, people had an idea of who they thought Jesus was, um, and not only the, the people, but his disciples. Not only that, but also his um, the, the, the religious leaders had a specific idea, and there's all these misconceptions. Jesus revealed clearly who he is, and we're going to see that as we uh, get into this today. So, so the setting of this, we find that in John chapter 12, verse 12. And it says this, the next day, the great crowd, 
that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Word was spreading. This great crowd, these multitudes, thousands and thousands of people were swarming into Jerusalem for the celebration of the Passover. Now there's this uh, noted Jewish historian from the time. His name is Josephus. And he was not a Christian necessarily, but he's a historian recording what was going on. And he estimated that over 2 million people were involved in, <clears throat> in Passover. In fact, 256,500 lambs were uh, slain at one Passover. And each lamb represented at least 10 different worshipers. So that's how you get the number of, of you know, 2,565,000 people. Uh, well over 2 million people went to the Passover. And uh, there were thousands from all over the world coming together into the city to observe the Passover. It was a uh, carnival-like atmosphere. The, the, the people, there were so many people um, and they had to be they had to have a place to stay. They had to have food. Uh, it's hard to even wrap our minds around. Um, that's what it looked like. And, and it's interesting. They got excited. Jesus was there. Jesus was was coming, and they got so excited. Um, Jesus always drew crowds. You see the the great crowds that were around Jesus. And it's interesting to me. That uh, you know, so many people today are like, ah, I don't, I don't like to be in crowds. I don't like to be around a lot of people. <laughs> you saw the Super Bowl, you know, where all those people were there. We go, we attend these events, you know, that we think are important. But uh, wherever Jesus is, that's where the people um, wanted to be. That's where we should want to be today. And I think sometimes, perhaps, perhaps the reason that you know the churches, our churches are are, are empty in many cases today is because we're not representing Jesus very well. Um, Jesus always drew people to him. So we want to make sure that we're not, uh, you know, repelling people, but we're drawing people. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw everyone to me. And uh, so we lift up the name of Jesus and people will come. People respond to Jesus. But let's begin to look at... Um, at these misconceptions. So verse 13, here's what happened. They took, the crowds took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And the deal was they were welcoming Jesus, but it was their idea of who Jesus was. They saw Jesus as, as an earthly savior, someone who, who would bring utopia, this utopian uh, vision to earth. And a utopia is just this, this perfect paradise um, that, that would come on earth. The way they saw Jesus first, they saw him as a conqueror. They, they saw him as a person who would fix all the problems of the world by uh, eliminating hunger, eliminating disease, eliminating poverty. I mean, he'd been doing all these miracles, right? And so they're like, oh, he can do this on a large scale. And uh, <laughs> even, you know, he's going to conquer and stamp out the people that uh, we don't like, that we don't agree with. You know, he's going to beat back the Romans. And, and so that's how they saw him as a conqueror. They saw him as a, as a provider. They saw Jesus as the person who would feed 
uh, the masses and provide shelter and give health and wealth and success uh, as the one who could provide all the good things of life or the good life as we like to call it today. They saw Jesus as uh, an uh, indulgent, passive Lord who accepts people no matter what they do, just sort of like anything goes. Um, somebody who, who it doesn't matter how you live, doing your own thing in, in spite of the sin and the immorality of your life. That's how they saw Jesus. And when you look at Jesus that way, and this is how many of us see, many of us in our culture see Jesus today as somebody who's just going to give us things or who's going to overlook and sort of look the other way when it comes to our sin. What we fail to see in that is that Jesus also has some requirements of our lives. He wants us to serve others. He wants us to reach out to a lost and a hurting world that is in such desperate need. It's hard to even comprehend that the needs of our world as we look across the landscape of our world. We know people are hurting, people are needy, and Jesus has called us to be his hands and feet to do something about it. It also fails to recognize, this view of Jesus fails to recognize that Jesus called us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to give everything we have to God. And that's the, the call that, that he um, extends to us, the challenge to us. And Jesus was not here to set up an earthly kingdom. He was here to bring connection and peace between people and God. Uh, he wants his primary concern is for our salvation and wanting people to um, be connected with God, not separated from God. Uh, he wants us to know that God is holy, that he's righteous, that he's pure, that, that we are to live a life of faith and seek after God with everything we've got. Um, that's, that's what Jesus was about. But we see back in this verse, um, I'm going to go back to it, that, that it says in verse 12, many people, you know, many people were there to welcome Jesus, but many of these people were wrong. The, the masses in general um, don't get it right, you know, because they thought Jesus would be a, a, an earthly political ruler who would just provide good things to the people of the world. So, you know, majority rules, though we, we believe in democracy, you know, the majority many times doesn't get it right. Uh, just because everybody thinks it doesn't mean it's true. Just because everybody does it doesn't mean it's right. So the people actually, it says, went out to meet him. They weren't just sitting around and waiting for him, for Jesus to arrive. They heard about him, and, and people have to hear about Jesus. We have to tell them and spread the word. But they wanted to see him. And so they took these palm branches. They began to wave them. Uh, they, they laid them down before Jesus. What's the deal with the palm branches? Well, the palm branches had become a national symbol of victory. And they were, they were waved. It's like a political thing. They were waved as a conqueror would ride victoriously through the city streets. And so they were welcoming Jesus as the conqueror and as the deliverer. But notice, Jesus was coming in peace. He wasn't coming as a judge. He wasn't coming uh, to conquer the Romans. 
Uh, he That's not how he uh, came then, and that's not who he is today. He is our Savior. And now, when he does return in his second coming, he will come as a conquering king. The Bible tells us that. But, uh, but today, he is Savior. And the people cried, Hosanna. And the word Hosanna means, Lord, save us. Save us now. Save, we pray. <clears throat> you know, people want to be saved. But check it out. They want to be free. But they want, we want to be, the reason people desire freedom and want freedom today is really because we want to do our own thing, right? We want to do what we want, go where we want. Um, we're not thinking about being free from the, the slavery of sin, the bondage of sin, or the spiritual bondage. In fact, people today, we love the world too much, the things of this world. Uh, we want to get all we can, you know, and can all we get and sit on the can. So um, people want, you know, houses and land and property and clothes and food and sex and fun and all these things. Well, First John uh, chapter 2, verse 15, uh, we've read this recently. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So are we thinking about that, the, the bondage and the freedom Jesus offers from all of the, the lust of the flesh, the eyes, the pride of life, um, and um, thinking about spiritual freedom? That's what Jesus came to offer. But the people were welcoming Jesus as this political um, ruler, this political king. And many people think that today. You know, they associate Jesus with with uh, politic politics in a, in a sense, and and they see Jesus as someone who who has come to give us physical blessings mainly. Um, you know, the preacher is out there preaching prosperity and health and wealth and name it and claim it, and people just rush out uh, to meet him to see him. But but they're missing um, that that's not the reason to come to Jesus. The, those may be the benefits of coming to Jesus. And even some results that Jesus gives us some of those blessings. But the reason we come to Jesus is because of our love for Jesus, not because of what we get, not because of G what Jesus will do for me. We, we come to Jesus because of who he is, not just because he's going to bless my life with all these other things. So um, we want to, you know, we want to remember that as we think of who Jesus is, because he shows us who he is. In verse 14, it says, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And uh, this is fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus is fulfilling prophecy, revealing very clearly who he really is. I think it's funny, we, we think about the donkey, you know, and, and even maybe uh, I would use the word colt because it doesn't have kind of that we think of donkey sort of negatively maybe today, but in this culture at this time, the donkey was a noble animal. It was a beast of burden that would carry the baggage of the people, even for kings and ambassadors. Uh, when, when the king would come enter into a city in peace, they would ride a, a colt or a donkey to, to show people that they were coming 
in peace, which is very different from a conquering king who would enter the city on a stallion. So Jesus was showing two things to the people. Uh, first, he was showing that he is the promised king, the, the savior. And second, he was not coming as a conquering king. His mission was not to set up a worldly kingdom. He was not going to be the leader of an army that would kill and would subjugate and, and you know, um, just just walk over the people. So they needed to change their idea about who the Messiah would be and, and what he would do. I'm thinking right now about the images that I saw of the in Canada of the, the, the horses of the government, you know, trampling over the people. Uh, Jesus wasn't riding on a big, you know, stallion to, to trample people. He was riding on a donkey uh, to, to symbolize he's coming in peace. The Messiah was coming as the savior of peace who had been sent to save the world and to show us that God is the God of love and of restoration and of reconciliation. Let's look at this donkey for just a minute, okay? The donkey, first I said it was a symbol of peace. It also symbolized service. They were serving animals who served people and their needs as it carried the, the, their uh, you know baggage and their luggage and, and all that stuff. But also, check this out. The donkey symbolized sacredness. So in Mark 11, 2, we read this about this particular donkey. Um, Jesus said, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. So this was a donkey that had never been written, written before. So it was set apart as sacred. Um, animals that were used for spiritual purposes, they had, um, they had to be animals that had never been used before. And this, it just impacts this moment and, and punctuates this moment as a sacred moment that Jesus was saying that he is their sacred hope. He is the Messiah. Mm. Now, I also want us to look at the disciples' reaction, okay? Because the disciples, um, they had their own view. And it wasn't quite complete in verse 16. Um, at first, his disciples didn't understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done. So they were looking for someone to follow. They were watching Jesus. They didn't understand what he was doing and the significance of this moment. They even misunderstood Jesus' messiahship. They were still waiting for an earthly king. And, and when, when you're following Jesus, you know, part of following is, in being a disciple is, that means that you don't get it all. You don't understand it all to begin with. So, so God is going to ask you to do some things, direct you to do some things that you don't understand. And uh, our response to that should be, yes, Lord, I'll do that, and then and then we look back on it, and we see it after we've been obedient. We see, oh, that's what God was doing. Oh, that's why I was uh, called to to do it that way. But um, the disciples, they misunderstood 
scripture, even though the Bible was perfectly clear. Um, and, and yet the way they understood, the way eventually they come came to understand was because they were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Once, once the Holy Spirit was sent to them, they had help understanding the word. So in John 14, 26, it says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus said, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said. So it's only after the Holy Spirit came that, that they remembered what Jesus had said and what it really meant. Um, and, you know, the Bible is very deep. As we study, we dig into the Bible, but it's also very clear. God is not trying to hide from us. He's not playing some cosmic game of hide and seek. He wants us to understand him. So he's given us the gift of the Spirit to help us understand. And um, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, yes, I understand it's going to be hard to understand some things in the Bible, but you have God's Spirit as a follower of Jesus living inside of you. And um, He's he helps you when you seek after the Word of God. God's Spirit reveals incredible truths to you. When you hunger after the Word of God, the Bible, God's Spirit fills your soul with good things and truths from the Bible. When you thirst after God's Word, God's Holy Spirit pours living waters of the Word into your heart to refresh you. Luke 12, 12 says the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. So God's Spirit indwells us, helps us to understand so that we can then share that tr those truths with others around us. And I know a lot of people, they, they think, well, I don't really know the Bible very well. I bet you know it better than you think, especially if you're somebody who's with me each week and we're getting into God's word, you're beginning to understand some incredible truths. Uh, hold on to those. You know that now. Live that out. Share that with others. Now, since Jesus has risen from the grave and he's been glorified, we don't have an excuse for not understanding his mission because he has done it. He showed us that he came as the Prince of Peace, the Savior of the world, not to, not to satisfy our own wants and desires, our selfish desires, but to save us and for us to surrender our lives to him as the Lord of glory who's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Now, what we need to do now is depend on the Holy Spirit to help us to understand the word. Um, we, we have the word, so we don't have an excuse and we can't understand God's word apart from the spirit of God indwelling our lives. So what we want to do, as the Bible says, we hunger and thirst after righteousness and after God's truth. And we come to, we approach the Bible, um, seeking to understand asking God's Spirit to reveal His Word to us and, and trying to determine what does the Bible actually say. Not what people say the, the Bible actually says, but what is does the Bible say? A verse, a passage, has one meaning, one truth, one meaning. Not whatever you think it means, not whatever you you want it to mean, but it means what it means. Now, Different people misunderstand, and some people have different understanding of what it means. But that doesn't change the fact that it only has one meaning. Uh, and so what we want to do is we want to find out what does the Bible say? What does it mean? Now, 
that being said, it has many applications. It's going to apply to a single adult. It's going to apply to a parent. It's going to apply to someone who's older or younger in different ways, the way you would live it out in your life. One meaning many applications. I hope you follow me on that. Um, so we also want to seek what is the application, God, today in my life? How do you want me to apply this? Um, and, and depend on God's Spirit. Set aside your preconceived notions and ideas and depend on God's Spirit to show you because we need to um, understand the Word and desire to, to please God, not, not the people around us as we study God's Word. So to, to be a follower of Jesus, it means we, we don't always understand it all, but when God says it, we say, yes, I will do it. That's where our faith kicks in. And then we take a step and God shows us afterwards what he was up to all along, you know, so, so we want to do that. And then, and then we also see another reaction. We see some more people reacting to Jesus in verse 17. Um, so it says, now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he performed this sign, went out to meet him. So many of the people were spreading the word, um, which is what we need to do. Um, other people were just wanting to go see him because he was a miracle worker. They wanted to see the spectacular and the sensational, but people were continuing to respond to Jesus and I guess the application here is just like, we've got to continue to spread the word um, and people will come. The Pharisees though, the, the religious leaders, how did they react to Jesus? Look at verse 19. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So they saw the crowds and they were furious. They were uh, desperate there were so many people following Jesus. They knew now's the time. We've got to stop Jesus. Really, Jesus was kind of forcing their hand. He had waited for this moment to make this public um, scene so that because he was all about doing what God had called him to do and going to the cross. But, um, you know, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they thought there's going to be an insurrection. There's going to be a riot. We've got to stop. We've got to stop Jesus. They saw this whole scene of thousands of people pressing in, filling the roads, blocking the roads, welcoming Jesus as the Messiah. And they got so upset and they got so hopeless that they began to accuse and blame each other for the failures that they had yet to stop Jesus. This event really sets in motion the the crucifixion of Jesus right here. This is where everything starts to really move forward. And they said, look, <laughs> again, they were prophetic, not even knowing it. Look how the whole world has gone after him. You ain't seen nothing yet. They hadn't seen anything yet because the world was really going to begin to, to see Jesus, you know, as, as the, the Lord and the Savior of the world. Um, but I wish that were even more true today how the whole world has gone after him. Um, John pictured this dramatic scene. Jesus' enemies even saw Jesus overcoming the world. Practically every um, traveler and tourist in the city had gotten caught up 
in the moment, the excitement. Thousands and thousands of people were lining up the roadway between Bethany and Jerusalem, crying out for their Savior, for Jesus. And what an incredible scene. Uh, I'd love to see that scene today for the masses of millions of people to cry out to Jesus. Jesus, save us now. That's what we should be crying to Jesus. Hosanna. Um, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that we see him as he is, the Savior of the world. That's what we need to do. And see him for who he really is. Not as we want him to be, not as other people say he is, but as who he has revealed himself to be. Jesus, the Savior of the world, who brings peace, who brings uh, restoration, who brings understanding, who brings connection between us and God, <clears throat> you and God, you and others, the one who brings forgiveness. So we're thankful for that. And, and I'm thankful that, that Jesus has shown us who he really is. Let's respond to him right now as we pray together. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for showing us who you really are. Help us to see you for who you really are and help us to show others who you really are in our lives, how we live today and um, how we're representing you. God, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your restoration. God, we love you. We thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hope you have a blessed rest of the week and I look forward to seeing you really soon. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast.